In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Every one of us has got a story. And if we went around the room this morning and just for a moment, we could all be completely honest, many of our stories would be broken or incomplete. They would be stories about being unloved and being lonely. Stories about when we hurt others and when we were hurt. And they would even be stories about our failures. But then two weeks ago came Pentecost, when Jesus trades his story for our stories. Our stories say that we are remarkably unqualified for any sort of holy work. Okay, you may not be David the murderer or Judas the betrayer. But our stories do suggest that through long practice, we have refined the dark arts of laziness and lying and lusting and love of money and cheating and putting the worst construction on everything. Our stories are the stories of our sins, the story of how our sins have broken us. Still, in a remarkable act of mercy, Jesus has come to us and puts his gospel into our ears, pushing his story into us and our stories out of us trading himself and all he brings for us and all we've lost. That is the sort of grace that brightens the day, as you saw last week when Pentecost gave way to Trinity Sunday, a day on which the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit ask us to dance. The perichoresis, that ancient Trinitarian word for the dance of love and relationship and community between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is shared with all of us in the preaching and the baptism of Pentecost. And it shows itself in the way of life that follows. The perichoresis, that dance, is well apparent in the life described in Acts chapter 2, a Trinitarian life that continued steadfast in the apostles' teaching, that's scripture, and fellowship, that means acts of mercy and words of witness for everybody inside and outside the church, and the breaking of the bread, that's the divine service with the Eucharist, and prayers, that's your daily devotions. And having all things in common, that was more than just a 10% tithe. That was a startling display of trust and generosity, whereby the congregation brought all they had and gave it to the pastors and trusted the pastors for an equitable distribution. That is the church in Acts chapter 2. 
That dance of Pentecost and Trinity and Acts chapter 2, the dance of Christ, Scripture, prayer, the divine service, startling generosity, unbelievable mercy, and a winsome witness. That is the dance of all real Christians. As divine love gathers us and gives us gifts and sends us out to be little Christs in hope and joy, to be open to the world in the way that Christ was open to the world when he came in flesh and blood to live and die and rise again for the life of the world. As you know, in Wheaton, dancing makes some folks very nervous. You know, I thought that was a good line. I thought they didn't laugh last time either. I thought that was a good line. I thought that would get you where you were. You need to loosen up, okay? So, <clears throat> Jesus speaks of that nervousness in the gospel for today. Don't be anxious about your life, says Jesus, Matthew 6, 24. That Greek word anxious means don't always be thinking about it or don't always be obsessing about it or especially don't always be arranging things so they work to your own advantage. Translation, don't always be acting like your story after Pentecost is still your story. And that, of course, makes perfect sense. The worst dance is the dance that is self-conscious. The worst dancing is when you're looking at your feet or obsessing over where they should be next or, worst of all, leading when you should be following. It's the same in the Christian life. The worst Christianity, the worst pietism, the absolute worst Christianity is when folks are self-conscious. We are self-conscious when we focus on ourselves, what I want, what I think, what I feel, what I have broken, whom I have hurt, and where I have failed, then the Christian life is all about me and it's not about Christ. Then I am a pietist. Then I have traded Eden for a return ticket to Egypt. And I've pushed my story in and I've pushed Jesus' story out and I am dancing all alone. I am back where I started. So, don't be anxious about your life, says Jesus, Matthew 6, 24. There is a fascinating theory that says that the Gospel of Matthew was written as a catechism for new Jewish Christians who were caught in the days between the preaching and the baptism of Pentecost and when they came to their first communion. It was written to help those folks mentioned in verse 30, O ye of little faith. It was meant for people who had a little faith, which is not a condescending term, but rather who had a new faith, a beginner's faith, a growing faith. It was meant to help them understand what had been done to them at Pentecost when Jesus traded his story for theirs. And at some point, 
they had begun to discover just how difficult that was. How much work it was to be a Christian. How heavy the load was when you actually picked up your cross and followed Jesus. And so they were experiencing all the nervousness and all the anxiety that all of you have probably felt in church. They were asking the very same questions that you ask, and maybe even more so. Jesus says, don't be nervous, don't be anxious, they would say. Don't always be thinking about yourself. But ever since I've been a Christian, ever since Pentecost, they've kicked me out of my family, I've lost my job, they've kicked me out of the synagogue, and frankly, the Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus aren't that fond of me either. Now, Jesus tells me not to worry. How do I escape that sort of anxiety? And the answer, though it may not be apparent on the first read, is in the very next verse. No one can have two masters. He will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, Matthew 6, 25. Here's the trick. Love and master, and devotion, and serve are all the sort of words that drive anybody's story anywhere. Any story has love, master, devotion, and service. These words suggest ownership, and allegiance, and commitment, and even worship. So it's true then, Jesus himself says it, no man can serve two masters, or better, no one can have two stories. It's all or nothing. It's Jesus or you. And the anxiety goes away when the focus comes off yourself and moves on to Christ. When you simply do what he asks and do it over and over and over and over again. I know this sounds extraordinarily simple, but sometimes the simple things are actually true. The best single thing I learned in the year of our Lord 2006 was this. All fear is self-regarding. All fear is self-appealing. All fear is self-conscious self-devotion and self-story that blinds us to anything beyond ourselves. As it progresses, it blinds us to love and to relationships and to community and to Trinity and to Pentecost and even to the story of Christ, leaving us alone and unloved and hurt and hurting and failing. So the question, how do we stick to his story? How do we stop worrying? We do as we have been given to do in Acts chapter 2. Or to quote my favorite current commercial, stop talking, start doing. Or better, start dancing. At creation, and at Pentecost, and at Trinity, and at Acts chapter 2, 
the answer was the same each time. There was no gap between the talking and the doing. It was the daily engagement, the daily engagement of Christ, scripture, prayer, the divine service, <coughs> generosity, mercy, and witness. The doing keeps us in the gifts. The doing keeps the focus. The doing builds community. The doing expresses the love. And the doing eliminates any anxiety. And next week, come back to find out why that's not works righteousness. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.